said. First of all, I want to pray to get us started. Um, thank you to the worship team for tonight. That was like really wonderful just to get us ready to go. So, Dad, we just thank you so much for tonight. We just thank you for everyone that's here. Um, I just thank you that with you, we have rest 100% of the time. We have access to it. And I just thank you that fear has no place where there is true love. Mm. Torment has no place where there is true love. Mm. And so I just pray that you would use me tonight and use my words and what you've been teaching me to help just illuminate that, like, you're here, here, always. And you're always a source of rest for us. So guide my tongue. And yeah, we're going to go right into it. So thank you so much. Amen. Amen. So, um, so the title of this teaching is True Rest. There is so many people here. Also, the spirit of fear of man has to go right now in the name of Jesus. Place here. Um, Matt got me all excited because he's like, it's going to be a small group. And I was like, woohoo. And then during worship, more people kept coming. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. It's like worship starts. There's like six people. <laughs> Worship ends 40. 40. <laughs> we have extended to the multitudes. So that's going to be awesome. Um, so I'm teaching tonight on true rest. Um, and I really hope that from what God has been showing me and teaching me that you guys can um, work with dad and understand how your daily lives don't have to be a roller coaster anymore where it doesn't mean to be go, 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 and then burn out, and then you just have nothing left. That with God, that you can be consistent. And it's so wonderful that that is a promise. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want us in the highs and the lows. He would love it if we just stay completely with him. Which is, and he set it up so that can happen, which is really amazing. So, yay. So we're going to get started right into it. I'm going to stick to the notes that I wrote. Um... So rest is actually a chosen place of residence mm. where God can fortify and strengthen our spirits, our souls, and our bodies. That's awesome. Rest is not just doing nothing. Mm. I just want to, I'm going to say that several times tonight because that is not what rest is. Yes. So rest is a chosen place of residence where God fortifies and strengthens our spirits, our souls, and our bodies. Just as you choose a house or an apartment as where you live, you do the same with rest. You open the door, you set up your residence, you make it, you decorate it, you make it yours. You also choose when you leave that house or that apartment or who you allow to come into your house and your apartment. The world is chasing spiritual rest by starting on a physical level. They hope that all the things that they are doing or not doing will trickle down and calm their spirits and their souls. However, those solutions are temporary. They might feel them presently, but it's not going to last because their spirits are still dead. They're not connected to the Father. Isaiah 51, 20 verse 21 says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Whose waters are cast up, and they cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, to the wicked. That's really sad. 
That's so sad. And that just like opens my heart for compassion to people that can't experience that rest. They're chasing it so hard, but they will never find it. But we can. God ordained true biblical rest starts at the spiritual level and it affects all areas of our spirit, our souls, and our bodies. So if that is how he chooses to have rest operate and has set it up, why don't we feel it all the time? And I put feel in quotation marks. That's like a trigger word. I know when I'm talking to Matt and I say the word feel, I'm already like losing because he's like, hmm? <laughs> say that again one more time. So first of all, what steals our rest? Something can steal the rest. If you don't feel it, something is stealing it. So, I've been on a Joyce Myers kick lately. I want to read you a letter that she wrote, and I so love it. This book is called Living Courageously. It's really good. Um, so, I'm going to read this letter to you guys. Dear Fear, I only refer to you as dear because of our long-term intimate relationship, and certainly not because you are dear to me in any way. In fact... You have been a tormenting influence from start to finish. You have told me lies and prevented me from doing the things I wanted to do and should have done. You are indeed a miserable, wretched companion and one that I am no longer willing to be involved with. I am writing you this letter to let you know that from this point forward, I will not fear. Although I may feel your presence, I will not bow down to your demands. I have a friend whose name is Jesus, and he has promised to never leave me nor forsake me, but to be with me always. He is indeed a powerful friend, and although you do have some power, his is by far much greater than yours. You can come against me, but Jesus lives in me, and the power of the one who is in me is greater than you are. Although I cannot prevent you from coming to visit, I do want to give you notice that you will be ignored. Mm. I am far too busy now fellowshipping with my friend Jesus and developing an intimate relationship with him to give you any of my time. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more courageous I become. He is teaching me a new way to live, one that is exciting and adventurous, one that is fearless. I also want to inform you that since I have so much experience with you, and know how self-defeating it is to listen to you. I now intend to tell as many people as I can what a thief and a liar you are. The years I have wasted with you will be redeemed, and I will bear much good fruit. Thank you for driving me to Jesus. You see, you made me so miserable that I sought a way to be free from you. And Jesus met me where I was and set me free. Should you decide to waste your time and try to visit me even after my letter, I am letting you know ahead of time that you will be met by faith in God and a determination that I will not fear. Sincerely and determined, your name here. Mm. I love that. I love that. Fear steals rest. The enemy wants to rob our supernatural rest by distracting us. And he gets away with it a lot. <coughs> he wants to infiltrate our house. 
You cannot be at rest and in torment at the same time. So what do you think he's going to do? Try to torment. Because he doesn't want us at rest. That does him no good. Fear brings torment and depression. We know that. The enemy wants to wear us out into despair, into burnout, into complacency, and into inactivity through distractions. The question is, how does he succeed? And what are his tactics? Daniel 7.25 says, And he, being the enemy, Satan, shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out and oppress the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times of the dividing of time. I don't know why that they say that so many times, but he will speak great words against the Most High God. He will contradict the word of God. That's his tactic. He's already been exposed. So the enemy will try to speak to our spirit because we are spiritual beings and we have a soul and we have a body. But our spirits are our true, like that is who we are. Our spirits are made alive by God. And he will try to speak to our spirit to influence our soul. And our soul is where we get thoughts, feelings, and emotions. That's why at the beginning I put feel in quotation marks. The spirit affects my emotions. So I wrote down a few things that have stolen my rest in the past. And I think there might be some overlap. Doubt and unbelief. Also, there's like scriptures for all of these, but I'm not going to read them, but they're there. <laughs> Doubt and unbelief. The scripture for that is Hebrews 3, verses 18 and 19, if you want to look it up. <clears throat> unbelief steals rest. Fear, worried anxiety. We already said that fear has torment. That's the opposite of rest. It's pretty easy. Double-mindedness. James 1, 8. Double man, a double-minded man will be unstable in all of his ways. Mm. Do you think that's someone in rest? Mm. Tell you what, when I was double-minded, you make one decision and it's the wrong decision, and then you make another decision and that's the wrong decision. Mm. There's no rest. Because yeah. everything you do is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Accusation towards God, towards yourself and towards others, will constantly keep you bitter and when you when you're angry at someone do you feel it here or do you feel it in your gut that's where your spirit man is your spirit's not at rest also you don't trust god when you're accusing him so mm -hmm. that contributes to it too drivenness and performance you're just too busy to be resting also you're probably too busy because you're doing things out of guilt rather than what God wants you to do. So there's no peace in that. <laughs> Proverbs 23, verses 4 through 5, are a scripture for that one. And Psalm 127, verses 1 through 2, if you guys want to write that down. Proverbs 23, verses 4 through 5. 
guilt, shame, and condemnation. You can't rest if you feel terrible about yourself. Because you will stew. For every one good thought, you'll have 12 bad thoughts <laughs> of things you did 10 years ago. And it's still beating you up. You can't rest. That's Psalm 38, 4. Idolatry of others, yourself, and a false idol. That steals rest. Revelation 14, 9 through 11 is the scripture for that one. Self-pity steals rest. The reference I have for that is the entire book of Job. <laughs> it's, it's, I read it every so often because I'm like, if I ever sound like this, I'll know what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's good. But self-pity, the antidote to self-pity is gratefulness, it's praise, it's thankfulness. But when you are in self-pity, the world is out to get you, so you're not going to feel at rest because you've been a victim. And everybody has to bend to your will for you to be at peace. But even when they do, you're still mad at them because they didn't do it to begin with. It's never good enough. And then passivity, inactivity, and hibernation. Mm will steal your rest. The reference for that is Nehemiah 9.28. And when I read that, it actually says, In rest did they sin against me. And iniquity was bred. So when I think of that, I think of like bacterial growth because of stagnant water. I think of the grossest thing I can think of. So yeah, fun things. <laughs> Does someone want to turn to Job 30 for me? We're just going to read and so you can hear it. So you can hear what these things can sound like. How he uses, like they say in Daniel, he speaks great words against the Most High. What does that sound like? So Job 30, 15 through 23. Anybody? Sweet. Go for it. 15 through 23. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my honor as the wind, and my prosperity has passed like a cloud. And now my soul is poured out because of my plight. The days of affliction take hold of me. My bones are pierced in me at night, and my gnawing pains take no rest. By great force my garment is disfigured. It binds me about as the collar of my coat. He has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry out to you, but you do not answer me. I stand up and you regard me, but you have become cruel to me. With the strength of your hand, you oppose me. You lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride on it. You spoil my success. For I know that you will bring me to death into the house appointed for all living. Yeah. So that pretty much has the trifecta. We've got accusation towards God, fear, worry, and anxiety, self-pity, Idolatry because he's so great he shouldn't be going through anything. Uh, passivity, inactivity, and hibernation because by this point he was sitting in his juices and just kind of like stinky. <laughs> Guilt, shame, condemnation. What have I ever done to deserve this? So would you say he was feeling rest in that moment? But what's awful 
the worst part is that he goes to God and he says, you're opposing me. It's you who's doing this to me. It's you that's against me. He's accusing God to the highest degree, and God is our source of our strength, and that's where the enemy wants to get us, to use the great words of accusation against God so that we can't go to God. Who is our rest? Um, can someone turn to Deuteronomy 28, verses 65 through 67? This is just another way of a fruit. This, this passage, I love Deuteronomy. I'll tell anybody all the time. Deuteronomy is great. I love it. I do it. Sweet, babe. So not being at peace and not being at rest is actually part of the curse of disobedience. Deuteronomy 28 lists the blessings of obedience. Of if you will hearken to my voice and do all these statutes, all these wonderful things will happen. And it lists all of the wonderful things that will happen. But then it says, if you do not, then it's like four pages of things that will happen to you. And in this, I found that unrest was one of them. So, babe, if you want to read that for me. Through 65 through what? 67. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening. And at evening you shall say, Oh, that it were morning. Because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. Yeah. That's double-mindedness. In the morning I wish it was night. At night I wish it was morning. You're just in total torment and anguish. That's part of the curse of disobedience. It's not what God wants to have happen, but because when we are not in obedience to him, it, it opens the door for the enemy. And he takes any open door he can get. So, with that being said, I don't want to, like, bum everybody out, but I just want to say, if there are any things like this going on in your life, you might not be at rest. And they might be something that's keeping that rest from your life. So we need to be vigilant in making sure that we're not getting taken captive. And then recognize if the enemy has come in and stolen our God-ordained rest. Stir up righteous anger and then get rid of the unruly house guests. And you will see rest be produced in your life. Calmness in your spirit and quiet. And you will be able to put your house back in order. Awesome. So, moving on. What does God's ordained rest look like? So, I've already mentioned that we are triune beings. I didn't use that word, but we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Triune. Just like the Godhead is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're created in three, which I think is kind of awesome. Mm, yeah. God's rest extends and nourishes to all three parts of ourselves. Spirit and soul communicate to one another through theta brainwave activities. I'll look that up. No. <laughs> but it's really cool because of that brainwave activity, your body responds by producing peace and wholeness based off of what the spirit is hearing and is what is believing. So just like if we were experiencing double-mindedness and thoughts of double-mindedness and feelings of fear, 
we can have the opposite of that and it will affect our spirits well and our bodies will respond. I love that. However, we need to be mindful about how we are treating and taking care of ourselves on the spirit, soul, and body level. Just like I said, if we're always chasing the physical level, we're never going to get beyond that because that's not how God works. That means we've just taken the world's way of doing things and put a God stamp on it and hope for the best. So what does God's rest kind of look like? And in scripture, I found there was a few things that I thought were important. Number one is the obvious one is he created the Sabbath day. We must keep the Sabbath day. It's a commandment. I have so many scripture references about the importance of the Sabbath, but I want to let you guys know a Sabbath is not being lazy for an entire day. Mm. The Sabbath is purposely spending time with God in mm. your relationship with him to reset yourself for the week ahead. Yeah. I think I've made my point. <laughs> Another point, rest is part of the covenant with God. Like I said, you know, unrest is part of disobedience, but when we are in rest, it's part of that. Deuteronomy 28, all the blessings that come with that. It's part of the promise. God wants to give us rest. He wants that to be our everyday life so that we can dwell in the safety of that promise. Can someone turn to 1 Kings 8, 56 for me and just read that? I love reading about God's promises because he's never broken one. Yeah. His track record on keeping promises is perfect. Mm-hmm. You reading that, babe? 8.56. Who's got it? I do. <laughs> okay. Ariel, I got you for the next oh, one. sorry. Um, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. Point taken. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I can rest in that. He's never broken a promise. He doesn't plan on it. It rests as a promise. So I can sit in that. So another thing is when doing the will of the Father and being led by him, not driven by others, not driven by guilt, we receive everything we need in this life, including rest he will instruct us when to rest and when to rise we don't have to create that so john 4 verse 34 says jesus says to them my meat the nourishment of my body is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work when i talk to people who aren't christians about rest they always say you need to meditate and empty your mind When I see this, it says, get up and go. Mm -hmm. You're called to do the work, and I will take care of the rest. That's what I hear. I like that. Peace in motion. Mm -hmm. So even in resting, we are still called to do the works of righteousness. We don't go into hibernation mode. We don't go into inactivity. We go, okay, God, what do you want to do? And I will do it. And sometimes he says, go to bed at 9 p.m. But that's him dictating our lives because he knows our physical limitations. Mm -hmm. 
Because he'll take care of us on spirit, soul, and body level. Mm -hmm. But we go to him in the spirit first to receive our direction. Our lives are strengthened for good works when we go to God. And then when we do more good works, we are strengthened to do more of them. Because we get excited. Matthew 11 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you that are labor... Hold on. I wrote type this in wrong. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. People normally stop it at that point. Like, oh, he'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke means we are, I, I just thought of like um, the Oregon Trail <laughs> where you have the cattle and there's two cattle and you get the yoke put on, but you're pushing together. So he says, take my yoke upon you with him and move forward yeah. together. Yeah. But we're moving forward. Doesn't mean we're not called to do anything. We're called to do work. So. I have some quotes here. <laughs> One from my friend Joyce Meyer. I, I call her my friend. Uh, she doesn't know it yet, but we're buddies. So a quote from her. It's not your life that makes you weary. Your attitude toward life makes you weary. Mm. I like that. It hits home. Uh, this is by Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling. I think he wrote The Jungle Book. Yes. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> Whatever. Phonics. <laughs> Hooked on phonics. <laughs> I taught myself to read. Um, <laughs> you know it. All right. His quote, which I really loved. Um, Gardens are not made by singing, oh, how beautiful, and sitting in the shade. I like quotes that hurt a little bit. Yes. So gardens are not made by singing, oh, how beautiful, and sitting in the shade. Yeah. I love it. If you want to see a beautiful garden, you have to get up out of the shade. Thank you. Yep. So God's rest is simple. He has made provision for our spirits to live in rest, and the enemy wants to steal that from us. We've established that. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what do we do? We have to labor to enter into the rest that God provides and let not anything or anyone evict us from the chosen place of residence that we have taken up. So can someone read Hebrews? I've got three scriptures I need people to read. So Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 11, Ariel. Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11. Anybody? Elliot? And then, oh, geez. I'm so sorry. Please accept my apology. We love you, Elliot. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Please don't go into accusation. What was this? It was Psalm 16. He kind of has an Elliot looking face. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right, Psalm 16, 5 so through 11. 
She said it really confidently. I did. <laughs> Might as well be your name at this point. I feel really bad. I do. <laughs> no, I mean when I when I'm praying throughout the week for everybody at Identity House, I always mix up your name, and I'm so <laughs> and so God and I laugh about it. But I was hoping it wouldn't translate to tonight. <laughs> that's okay. But you are great for so. There's an Elliot out there that's just getting mad blessed. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's what's awesome. It's in my weakness, he is made strong. So there we go. He's like, I know who you meant. <laughs> Wait, what was his verse again? Psalm 16. Verses 5 through 11. And then Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. Anybody? You got it? All right, so Ariel, at any time, start reading yours. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day, and this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Sorry. It's okay. Laughter is good. <laughs> Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the place to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Thank you. So we are labor, therefore, to enter that rest. Doesn't mean sit back and wait for it. I'm just sitting back and letting that sink in. It doesn't mean do nothing and hope that you feel rested. And hope that you feel at peace. It means labor to enter that rest because everything before said it's there for believers. But unbelief keeps you from rest. Okay. Elijah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot less confident. <laughs> I almost did it again. <laughs> Just call him E. You. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in, in places, in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night season. I have set up, I have set the Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand, and I shall not be moved. 
Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, uh, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness and joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's awesome. I love that. My flesh shall also rest in hope. Hope produces rest because it reminds us that God will win. God is in power. He is the one taking care of us, and so I can rest in that hope, which is wonderful. And it also says, you'll not leave my soul in hell, and neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. It reminds me back when Job was saying, you're the one tormenting me. You're the one taking, you are against me. This is saying the opposite of that. And then, in your presence is fullness of joy. I love that. I can rest that he will provide me fullness of joy. I don't have to cultivate it. But I can choose to rest in hope that no matter what, no matter where, God does not allow his holy ones to see corruption. That's a promise. And we've already established that God keeps all of his promises. So why would I allow doubt and unbelief to steal my rest? when I don't have to. I like that. Okay. Isaiah 26, verses 3 through 4. 3 You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in yet the Lord is everlasting strength. For in the Lord Jehovah. I'm reading from the King James. Oh. Yeah. So a, yeah. That's cool. For Inya. For Inya. For Inya. For Inya. In all of you. So guys, get this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. So our minds need to be stayed on God. And what he says in his truth to stay in peace. And then trust you in the Lord forever because he has everlasting strength. He has everlasting strength. He doesn't get tired. We get tired, but he doesn't. So the last section, I really just want to introduce you to your strength, who is God. Everlasting strength means non-diminishing. The same power that he used to create the world from nothing is the same power that he exhibits today. If we trust him and allow him to work. I like that. Henry Wright says, when you truly start believing in God, you cease to perform as if you were God. Henry Wright says, when you start truly believing in God, you cease to perform as if you were God. A lot of the times we wear ourselves out pretending to be God because we don't trust him. <coughs> it's time to start trusting him and stop getting worn out. Only God doesn't get weary. So what we are supposed to do is complete the responsibility of what we can control. We all are given responsibilities of what we're supposed to do. But then we cast our care onto the Lord and then allow him to do the things that we cannot do. 
You do your responsibility, then cast your care. That's the rinse and repeat method. Every circumstance, something new, never done it before. Okay, God, what is my responsibility? Okay, I'm going to give the rest to you because I can't do it all. He will tell you your part, and then he'll tell you, this is where you end, and this is where I start. I love that, because that means we partner with him, and then he takes care of all of the things that we can't. So even if I'm coming across a situation that seems big, I know that I have my part to play, and then God will finish it. Because he doesn't start things he doesn't finish. Mm -hmm. So don't go beyond what you can't do. That's the problem. That steals your rest. We need a healthy dose of perspective of how small we are Mm -hmm. and how big God is. Yeah. So actively look to God and expect by faith that he's going to show up at any moment. I'm ready. I'm willing. Let's do it. You're going to show up. You're going to take care of it. You're going to show me. You're going to lead me. You're going to give me wisdom. Every single situation we go to him and we say, okay, what do we do? You're going to come up. You're going to show up. Because you say, you will not leave me. You will not allow me to see corruption. But that you will show me the path of life. So come and show me. You're coming. You're right around the corner. I know it. You're coming. And then he shows up. And we've stayed in rest because we were having hope, expecting, actively eager, expecting the good to happen. So I have more scriptures, but I'm just going to read them if that's okay. I just want to introduce you guys to God. There are so many scriptures about him and how powerful he is. And once you get into the word, and you see him, that's when you have your rest. That's where you have your hope because the word does not return void. And we already established he keeps his promises, so every promise in the word applies to us. I love it. So Isaiah 40 verse 9 says, O Zion that brings good tidings, get you up into the high mountains. So go up the mountain, so don't sit at the base of the mountain, get you up into the mountain, O Jerusalem, lift up your voice with strength, so do something, lift it up, and it says it again, lift it up, be not afraid, and say to the cities of Judah, behold your God, and the rest of that chapter just describes how wonderful God is, and how powerful, and how he measured out the mountains, and how he sculpted them, and he crafted them, and he maintains the center of the earth, healthy perspective, healthy perspective. I love it. Lift up your voice with strength and be not afraid. Okay, if that's what it takes, behold, God comes. I will not be afraid because he's coming. And just you wait when he comes. He's going to show up. So later in that verse, or in that chapter, Isaiah 40, 28 through question mark. I don't know how far I went. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait or hope upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. 
what I like that about this. This defies worldly understanding. The youth will faint. I can run and I won't be weary. I will walk and I will not faint when I put my hope and my trust in God. I can defy worldly understandings. I can outrun the youngins. I'm still kind of a youngin, but running is not my favorite. <laughs> Zephaniah 3, verses 16 through 17 says, In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear you not, and to Zion, let not your hands be slack. The Lord your God is in the midst of you, and he is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. I don't hear any ifs or maybes or eh, we'll just see how it goes. It's very definite. So like this, this word provides faith and hope because it speaks in definites. I love that. He will save. So if you don't feel saved, he's coming. If you don't feel joy, he's coming. So might as well be ready for him. Rejoice now. And then the final one I wanted to end on is Psalm 60, 46, sorry. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Isn't that funny we sang that song? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will be exalted among the heathen and I will be exalted in the earth. This is God. Be still and know that I am God. Do not. When I read that, God said to me, he was like, you limit my power. You limit my ability. Be still and know that I am God and that I will finish what I start. So that's what we can rest in. And that's all I have for you guys tonight. That's it. <laughs>